Welcome to the Crosswalk Church Podcast, Phoenix, Arizona. Today I was going to open up with a video, and uh, as you know, anything would have it, uh, technology isn't working too well for us today. So I had a contingency plan here. I did have, uh, I did have a backup plan. The backup plan is to show you this uh, poster. And it was going to be a video of this gentleman. Now, if you can't see it, I apologize. But I will show this poster, try to show it to everyone. And it says Michael Francis on it. The good, the bad, and the forgiven. And if you can't really see that well from the back, it's kind of an Italian-looking guy, a a mobster-looking guy in a leather jacket, and he's sitting in a jail cell, and the sun is coming through, shining on him. Okay? And if we were to watch the video, what you would have seen was that Michael Franzese, if you ever heard of him, he was called the Yuppie Don, okay? He was, he was a, a Don, a boss in the mafia. And he goes on to say that, you know, the mafia isn't even called the mafia by the mafians, whatever you call them. It's, in Italian, it's called La Cosa Nostra, this thing of ours, okay? So he was in this thing of ours, a life of greed, a life of violence. And he was, you know, most known for kind of uh, some tax fraud where he would uh, purchase large amounts of gasoline and then kind of run away with the taxes. I mean, this guy, this guy was talking about far away from how God wants us to live. That's where he was. And at the end of the video, he's coaching a little league baseball team. And people are saying, what a great citizen this Michael Francis is. A complete 180 degree shift from this guy who was the yuppie Don, this guy who was a leader in the mafia, who stole millions of dollars, was involved in some, some crimes, linked to some murders, and here he was coaching a little league baseball team and saying that he was changed. What causes a change like that? What causes a complete 180-degree shift from the past to what someone is now? And that's really what we're going to talk about, because you and I both know that that's a God thing, isn't it? You know, I had the, the fortunate uh, experience of going and talking with him because I was uh, at a convention where he kind of was given a, a testimony of, of what had happened. And I find him after the, the convention, and I was a little intimidated, you know. I'm, I'm half Italian, so, the, you know, the whole Godfather movies and all that kind of appealed to me a little bit. But seeing someone who's the real deal, it's a little intimidating. He's got this slick back hair. Real Italian looking, he's got olive skin, a chiseled face, and an accent that would make him a star in The Sopranos. I mean, just right from the movies. Still wearing a leather jacket. So I go and I talk to him, and he kind of just kind of explains a little bit more about his life. And he kind of explains a little more about this turning point in his life. And, and later on, I, I came to know what, exact, what exactly that was. You see, he was in jail again. For the second time, because he broke his parole, and he was sitting in his jail cell, and Michael Francis was mad, and he was angry. And he was mad and he was angry because he knew it was, it was himself, okay? But he didn't want to admit it. And the security guard, or sorry, the, the jail guard was there, and, and he noticed that Michael Francis was a little down that day, and so he slipped a Bible and said, hey, buddy, looks like you need this. So he took the Bible, and he said, oh, Thanks. And he chucks it against the wall. Says a couple four-letter words to the guard, right? 
And he sits down and he just gets more angry and more mad. And then he says in this little video about everyone else was mad at me. I, you know, I guess I shouldn't have God mad at me. So he picks up the Bible reluctantly and it was turned to the book of Proverbs. That's where it fell open to. And in this book of Proverbs, he didn't say exactly which proverb it was, but basically it was a proverb that talked about a man reaps what he sows. Meaning what you do in life, you will reap out of it. You sow bad things, you will reap bad things. You sow good things, you will reap good things. And what do you think it made a guy that was a boss in the mafia feel like when he actually believed those words? How, do you, how cut to the heart do you think he was? He had sown a life of, of greed and of destruction and of pain and of hate. I mean, we try to glorify the whole mafia mob scene, but you really get into it, and it's nothing glorified. It's a horrible, horrible trap of continued sin. A man reaps what he sows, and he, he was cut to the heart. Fortunately, he didn't stop there, because if that was the end of the story, he would just be left depressed. Fortunately, he was able to read more about Jesus and about the forgiveness that he has, and how this guy, Michael Francis, could go from a mob to a powerful witness for Christ is a great example to you and I. If, if that can happen to a mob boss, to a guy who is involved with murders and drug scams and tax fraud, surely we can put our past behind us, can't we? I think that's a reason why God is using someone like him to do that. You know what's awesome is we can turn to the word of God to see where really we need to go with our paths and with our memories. And so let's open up our Bibles. Get open your crosswalk notes. Our text for today comes from Romans chapter 6, verses 1 to 10. We're going to put these up on the screen as well. We're going to read these. So Romans chapter 6, 1 to 10. I'll read them for us. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. Now, the great thing about these verses is that really what, what came before them. And if you have your Bibles, right in chapter 5, right before chapter 6 in Romans, it says this, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And that thought is the complete motivation for today. 
The first thing that, that we should know and that we get to do is that when thinking of our past, we know that we can put our past behind us every single day. And that is because God's bank of love is deeper than any horrible sin that you have ever put yourself into. Where sin increases, grace increased all the more. There is nothing that you have done, will do, or can do that God won't forgive. An amazing, an amazing message that is completely the motivation. Because you know what it does? It takes away the hopelessness of saying, you know, I just can't seem to get out of my past. I seem to always be in it. I hold on to that grudge. I hold on to that lifestyle that I want to leave. And I really want to leave it, but it's so hard. And God says, each day, I give you my grace and I give you my forgiveness. He will never turn his back on you. What an awesome message. And and I think there's a word that every Christian should know. Justification. And that's what justification is. It's that you have this stamp on your forehead that says not guilty. It says that Jesus put your punishment on himself. And that you now are looked at as perfect because of what Jesus did. It's a one-time thing. It's a stamp. It's done. It's complete. And we can always go back to it. We can never overdraw on that bank account. It's forever. It's good. And that is where Paul starts from. To talk now about memories and about the past. So he says here, What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? So that grace may increase. So basically saying, you know, if God's going to love me all the time, and if, if sin makes his love increase, why don't I just sin all the time? You know, I can make God love me a whole lot. I'll just go and do all these bad things, and then he'll love me a ton. Isn't that good thinking? Isn't that reason? Isn't that logical? And there's a reason that Paul kind of starts off with this sarcastic tone is saying, all right, what shall we say then? To this great gift of love. Shall we go on sinning? And it's kind of like. Duh. By no means. Because some key words here. And this is where we get to the second truth. Talked about justification. Here we're going to talk about sanctification. And in the best definition I've ever heard of sanctification. Is the fact that. When someone becomes a believer. The Holy Spirit. Through the word. And through the sacraments is always changing your heart more and more like Jesus' heart. That's what sanctification is. God is making you more and more like himself in things that you think about, in the ways that you talk, the ways that you live. And that is not a one-time done deal. That's like the stock market. It's up and down. Some days are better than others, aren't they? But then again, when we have those lows days, we, we get to go back to the bank account of justification and say, you know what? God gave me that forgiveness. So we have perfect ground to always wake up and say, I'm going to put my past behind me. And how is God going to use his word and sacraments to make me more like him? We died to sin. And I want us to say that together. Let's say that. We died to sin. And you see that written on your crosswalk notes. It's extremely powerful. So what does that mean? Well, the Bible talks about death and life all the time. You and I, and people who don't know Christ, you and I, when we were unbelievers, okay, someone that doesn't believe in Christ, 
really from birth, all of us, the Bible says, are, are dead in sin. When you're dead in something, that's not good, is it? If you caught someone dead, caught someone red-handed in a sin, or I caught you, you're dead wrong. That means there's no way out of it. That means you're controlled by it. That means that you're, you're dead to it, that you've, you've died from it. It kills you spiritually, and that is what sin does. It controls us, it masters us, and it kills us spiritually if we're all left to ourselves. Now, this is an awesome thing. It's complete reversal. We are dead to sin, Paul says. Complete difference. Being dead to something, if you say that someone is dead to you, that means get away from me. I want nothing to do with you. You're not going to be part of my life anymore. You don't control me any longer. That is how we are. Sin does not control us any longer. Sin is not our master, and it does not kill us spiritually because we have that bank of justification. We have that forgiveness. We have Christ. And so he starts here saying that you and I are a new creation. We are dead to sin. And point A there, through Christ's death. Because without Christ's death and resurrection, what hope do we have? And then point B, it talks about through the burial waters of baptism. And it says here, I'm going to reread these verses. Verse 3, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now, baptism offers forgiveness of sins, salvation, and a new life because it's connected with the word of God. It's a sacrament. And one way that Christians can be baptized is through immersion. And I think immersion is an awesome thing. It's where someone is actually dunked from beneath the water and they come up and they rise above it. What an awesome picture. What an awesome display of, of being dead to something and now alive and born again and new. In fact, however you baptize uh, with, with sprinkling or with pouring or with immersion, the fact of it's washed away, you're not who you used to be. It says that we died with Christ through our baptism. But then it doesn't stop there. It talks about resurrection, doesn't it? I, I, the first point I want you to know is that because of that bank of justification, we can always go back and always withdraw from forgiveness. And because we're dead to sin, the first point is believers can put their past behind them. You can put your past behind you. What an awesome thing. Now, you know, when I saw that, uh, that video that unfortunately you guys weren't able to see, but when you heard my story about Michael Francis and being a, you know, a leader in the mafia and whatnot. I kind of think that, you know, it's, it's a little tough here. Um, because sometimes you think, well, isn't he going to go back to that way of life? I mean, a guy like that, it, 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 he's got to have people that are not happy with him. I mean, think about the, the people he probably made mad or the people he worked with. Don't you think they're searching him out? He might have some death threats on him. And I bet there's a lot of people not happy that Michael Francis, you know, that Jesus found him. 
He's now a Christian, right? He now has faith. Oh, great. He owes me money. We were doing good business together. Don't you think that there's holes that he dug for himself that it's just too big to get out of? I mean, that's what I initially thought. He was, he was a gangster. How, even with faith in Jesus, how can he climb up from that pit? Isn't he going to fall back into that old lifestyle? Have you ever seen the movie, The Shawshank Redemption? That movie clearly, powerfully gets across the, the power of that point. And if you haven't seen it, in the end of the movie, there's a, the non-main character, an old guy who's been living in prison his whole life, okay? What happens to him is he gets freedom. And he's almost afraid of that freedom because he only knew his past way of life. It was hard for him to have this new life. And he let the fear and he let the unknown get a hold of him. And he ended up hanging himself because he was an old man who only knew one way of life, which was not a happy one. And he was lost. And so he let that fear get a hold of him. Morgan Freeman, who's one of the main characters, almost that happened to him. What happened to him in the movie is he was released at an old age. And he was working at a grocery store where he kept on asking to go to the bathroom to his manager. And the manager's like, you don't have to ask me to go to the bathroom, man. Just go. This isn't, you know, because he was thinking about his old way of life and how I always had to ask to go to the bathroom when I was in prison. And in the narration, he talks about how sometimes I wanted to steal something or to shoot a man just so that they let me go back. So they let him go, go back to prison? I mean, to, to you and I, it's like, well, what's going on with that? They let him go back to a place that was horrible? Again, it's that fear. And don't you and I sometimes battle with that? There's some things in our past, some thoughts, some memories, maybe something someone did to you, maybe some things that you're not very proud of. And sometimes it seems like when we say that we're dead to sin, sometimes you have to raise your hand and say, you know, I don't feel that way. I don't feel like I'm dead to sin. I feel like it's right here with me. And I don't say this sarcastically. I say welcome to Christianity in the fact that we are no longer controlled by sin, but it is still here and it is still present. You know, I've used this illustration before in some classes, but it's kind of like this. You and I, we were, when we were before, we were uh, believers, okay, in our past way of life. It's kind of like the devil and the world and our own sinful flesh is like this bulldog that attacked us, right? And almost left us for dead. Just attacked us. And that's what we were dead in our sin, right? And thankfully, Christ came and rescued us from that dog and saved us. And then he put this big chain on the dog that can never, ever be broken. It's the strongest steel. You never have to worry about it. The dog is over here. You're over there with Christ, right? Now, could someone like Michael Francis go back to his former lifestyle? Could you and I go back to those sins that we've committed, those thoughts, those memories? Well, God gives us the freedom that if we want to, we can go up to that bulldog and mess around with it, and get close to it. And you know what? If you get close to a bulldog and make it mad, it's going to bite you. 
It's always on that chain. It's, it's never going to harm you when you're over here. But when you walk closer to it, it might. So yes, if you and I willingly choose to let our past control us, then, then it probably can. Right? But there's, there's better news for that. The fact that we died to sin. Well, let's keep going with this. So I want to go now to the Bible verse that's on your second page here. Romans 8, 5, 8 to 9. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So it's saying right here that, you know what? You don't have to listen to that bulldog. You don't have to go back. Because you're changed. Because you're a new person. Even though it seems like you might, Christ says that you have a new spirit within you. Okay? Uh, what does it say in our own verses? In verses 6 and 7 of the text for today. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Talks about being a a slave to sin, right? Another Bible verse that on our second page here, Romans 6, 17 to 18. Thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. This is powerful, powerful stuff. You know that term I I used to? Being a Christ follower, it's new meaning to those words I used to. Because of what Christ did to us, we can say, I used to live a life that was not very good. I used to let guilt and shame control me. I used to think that my sins couldn't be forgiven. I used to be a slave to sin. And when you're a slave to sin, you don't get to say anything, but I have to. People who don't know Christ have to say yes to every inclination that their sinful world and their flesh and the devil wants them to do. Because they have, they're dead in sin. But what does it talk about being a slave to righteousness, right? We become a slave to righteousness. So what do we say? We don't say I used to. We got to say I get to. I get to live a life that pleases God. I get to put my past behind me. Even when I sin, I get to have forgiveness. I get to be a slave to righteousness. If you and I are slave to righteousness, that means that we don't have to say have to. That means we say get to. And the idea of being a slave to righteousness means that it's kind of like we're compelled to want to live a life pleasing to God because of sanctification Christ is daily making us more and more like him through the Holy Spirit. That is awesome, powerful, powerful stuff. So here is our second point. That believers are not controlled by their past. Boy, what a release, right? 
that you and I aren't controlled by something that happened or, or things that might even bother us still. We don't have to give in. We don't have to say yes. We're not controlled by them. Awesome, awesome stuff. And here it says we're resurrected to live a new life. You know, I, I think that um, reading these verses makes me think about Michael Francis. It makes me think about how I wonder, I wonder what it must have felt like to have that, that transformation from, from him. You know, just understanding that, that his past was not held against him. That, that Christ loved him no matter what was in the past. Imagine that. I just, well, I can because I, I, I know some things in my past that Christ has forgiven me for. And you know, you know what Michael could have done? He could have gotten out of prison, a Christian, minded his own business, kind of go on his merry life, not really bother anyone, be happy for what he has, kind of stay quiet, and live out the rest of his days not really causing a scene, because you know if he caused a scene, maybe those people uh, who, who wanted his head, who didn't want him to become a Christian, who were his old mafia buddies, they might come after him. I, I might want to stay low. No, what, what, has he done? what has he done? He goes around and he tells people of his story. He's a motivational speaker. He's, he goes to numerous churches and numerous events and tells people, yeah, that's what I used to be, and this is what I am now. Because having a new life changes you, doesn't it? And it makes you want to do things. You don't want to live a normal life. How cool is that, right? So let's see what it says here in uh, Romans six thirteen to 14. But rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master, because you are not under law, but under grace. So in other words, offer your body uh, to him as instruments of righteousness is basically like shout it out to other people in the way that you live that you're not controlled by sin. You know, at work, maybe I'm, maybe I'm tempted to be a little greedy or maybe I'm tempted to say little white lies to try to get ahead because, you know, that's just the marketplace. What a, what a demonstration is that even if you might have to take a little pay cut or maybe you're in, in risk of, of getting scolded that you do the right thing. And someone kind of says, why would you do that? Because I'm not controlled by that anymore. I'm not controlled by greed. I'm not controlled by, by hate. I'm not controlled by wanting to stab people in the back and just climb my way up. I'm controlled by grace. I'm controlled by, by love. And it's not a conceited thing. It's not an egotistical thing. It's just who you are. Because that is what Christ has made you. What an awesome thing that that is. So shout it out with your life. With the words that you say. Every little daily encounter with the person at the drugstore. To the person, at, uh, the person at, that you go to, to to play cards with. Whatever it is. Let that shout. Let that come forth. Then we've got uh, this last verse here, Romans six twenty two to 23. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus 
our Lord. So you remember I told you that, that Michael Francis, when he was in prison, he, he saw how the book of Proverbs said that a man reaps what he sows. This kind of says the same thing, doesn't it? But it's in a lot better way. That we get to reap what God has sown for us. What God has sown for us is forgiveness, is a new life. And the first thing we get to reap is that gift of God, it says there at the end. Eternal life. That's what you and I get to reap for being believers. What an awesome thing. That we don't reap what we, own, what we sow in this life, but what Christ has sown for us in our hearts through faith. And then secondly, you see how it says there, it leads to holiness? That's talking about sanctification. That you and I get to reap the benefit of our hearts being changed daily and daily by the Holy Spirit to make us more like Him. That is really neat that we have that power of the Holy Spirit. God is not just done with us when we become a believer. He's constantly molding and shaping us to make us grow. And you know, those of us who have been Christians a long time, we can, we can testify to that. What an awesome thing that that is. Very, very neat. All right. You know, one thing that, that I, I read this paper recently, and um, one thing that the Bible really talks about when it talks about believers, talking to believers, the words that are used about believers are some very encouraging words, okay? And this is how God views us. This is how we should define ourselves. Listen to this. These are the words that, um, how many words, how many times these words are said to believers okay, in the Bible? The word righteous is said 180 times about believers. Righteous. The word brothers is used 98 times. The word saints is used 67 times. Holy, 36 times. Friends, 24 times. Chosen, 23 times. Children of God, 13 times. The elect, 10 times. Heirs, that means we get inherit blessings, 8 times. Sanctified, 6 times. And God's temple, 5 times. And what is that saying? That's saying that you and I, we don't have to be defined by what the world sees in our past. I think of someone who was caught in the sin of some type of, of sexual offense, right? And what happens to sexual offenders? They have to register and mark that, that they did that. And wherever they live for the rest of their lives, that is going to be their definition on this earth, is they were a sex offender. What are you defined as? Or rather, what would you think your past would define you as? No matter what you think that is, this is what you are. You are righteous. You are a brother or a sister. You are a saint. You are holy. You are a friend. You are chosen by Christ. You are God's child. You are elected by God. You are an heir you and I are heirs of his salvation. We are sanctified. And we are God's temple. Those are great definitions. I'll take those any day rather than what I think the world would define me as according to what I've done. And that's because of God's grace and his love. Again, our third point is that believers are not defined by their past, but we're defined by our Savior 
and defined by our future where we know where we're going to go, what our Savior has called us and what he calls us in his word. So this is what I want you to leave with today. I want you to know that when it comes to your past and it comes to things that you might even still struggle with, you have the best of both worlds. What I mean by that is, number one, the hopelessness, the feeling that, you know, I'm supposed to be dead in sin, I'm supposed to be a good person, I'm supposed to do all this, and I just don't feel like I am. I mean, I want to, but I just keep failing. And I guess just keep trying, but I keep failing. And it seems like I'll always fail. And Christ says, here's my forgiveness. And the next time you fail, Christ says, here's my love. And the next time you fail, Christ says, here's my mercy. That is the first truth, that your past can be put behind you every day. It's not just a once for all, okay, once for all, and now don't sin anymore, or if you do, you're totally wiped from the face of the earth. Every day, we can put our past behind us. And the second truth is that we don't have the hopelessness that our sin is going to control us. Sometimes we think, I'm never going to get out of this. It's just too hard for me to change my ways. I know it's wrong. I might even become a little callous to this lifestyle. But I just think, you know, this is my life. This is who I am. And that's what's going to happen. We don't have to say that anymore because what does the Bible say? That you, you and I are a slave to righteousness. And slaves to righteousness say, I get to. I get to change my ways. I get to live my life this way. So you have the best of both worlds. God will always forgive you, and he's making you more and more like him. And I really hope that you leave with that. And that's what Paul was trying to get across with these words. Let's look at our next steps here. Give past hurtful memories and mistakes to Christ, since you are no longer a slave to them. Search out one specific thing that, that you think God has equipped you to do as a slave to righteousness. And then go ahead and do it. So, so think about what, what, what are some ways that, that you think Christ has equipped you to shout out his forgiveness. To shout out his love to others. Really identify that. Put this up maybe at your work and say this is what I think Christ has called me to do as a slave to righteousness. This is what I get to do. Not what I have to do, what I get to do. And finally, meditate on and memorize Romans 6, 13 to 14. And, you know, I would meditate and memorize the whole Romans 6, 1 to 10, because it's some great verses about our sanctified living. Okay. All right, let's take, let's take everything to prayer right now to God for this message. Dear Heavenly Father, you tell us a lot of things about our past that we heard here today. First of all, you tell us that we have your unending forgiveness. Because we know that every single person in this room has some things that we're not proud of. And we might even still be doing things that we're not proud of. Lord, let us know that we have your forgiveness. Let us know that you want us to change. That, that you hate sin. You hate that lifestyle. And you don't want us to turn to that bulldog of sin in life without you. And that you've made us not slaves to sin, but you've made us slaves to righteousness. Let us all think about how we can use that new spirit we have within us to help others and to serve you 
And that's when we're truly happy, Lord. We pray all of these things in your son's name, who's because of his resurrection has released us from the past. In his name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the Crosswalk Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at crosswalkphoenix.com.